I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome into the Monday Husker Countdown. It is great to be with you. My name is Jeff Cameron. There you see the man. He's Sean Callahan. Husker Online, publisher, owner, and uh, Sean, you know what? We welcome everybody in. It's going to be fun throughout the year for you and I to get together like this and follow what's happening with Nebraska football. Obviously, to say there's a lot to talk about is an understatement, and uh, I would encourage all of you, like, subscribe, and get with the program. It's going to be an amazing run on Monday Husker Countdown as we learn new information every week from the best in the business from Husker Online. Right now, one year, $10. You get it all for an entire year. 10 bucks. that's it, that's all. You get to follow what is now a coaching search, what is now an amazing soap opera, with people who care very deeply about Nebraska football as the attention shifts to one Trev Alberts. And, Sean, we said when you were going to Ireland, we don't know how this thing's going to play out. It's going to go one of two ways. Scott Frost is either going to save his job and get this thing turned around, which would be fun to document. If he doesn't and he has to be let go, that too, fun to document, disappointing to say the least. But here we are with the latter, unfortunately. Good evening, sir. Good to be with you again. Yeah, it's been quite a few days. Uh, we've been keeping the uh, YouTube channel rolling uh, with a live show Saturday night, kind of expecting something to happen eventually. Then it, it happened a lot faster, I think, than most expected on Sunday. So we, we've been really busy, as you know, in Husker Online. Um, you know, it, it's just been nonstop coverage. And, you know, this is going to be a unique deal, Jeff, because we're used to coaching changes happening here around Black Friday. You know, that's traditionally when Nebraska plays their final game. There's never been a coach fired um, with games left to play for football, let alone um, nine games in the regular season left. So it's going to be a wild, wild two, three-month period. And, you know, realistically, you can't really expect a head coach to be named at Nebraska until after Thanksgiving if if, if everything goes to plan. So um, buckle up. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be very interesting. And there's probably no better time to be on Husker Online, especially with the promo we're offering right now, because you're going to get myself, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett, our entire team um, to get all this great coverage that's going on right now. Well, Sean, you guys have killed it from the uh, get-go. I jumped on Husker Online as soon as I saw the end of the game. I watched the end of the game, and then I knew that there was a chance something like this could come down the pike, and I knew you guys would be on it. You mentioned the aforementioned Steve Sipple. He's going to join us on the program, senior writer for Husker Online, 33 years of experience covering this team. We know that resume. And then later on tonight, Jim Rose, former Nebraska play-by-play announcer, going to join us as well. I know you're going to talk to him as he has keen insight into Trev Albert's thinking. Uh, they're very close, and it will be interesting to get his thoughts as well, Sean. All right, so let's take us through this, the waning moments of that football game. We all watch it play out. Obviously, uh, a stunned fan base as um, you, you can't lose a game in which your offense drives up and down the field and puts up a ton of points. I know you wrote about it, Sean. Uh, it's a rare set of circumstances, but the black shirts give up a, a score late, and, and here we are. 
And now we know one thing for sure, and that is that the interim head coach is Mickey Joseph, and he will meet with the media for the first time. We mentioned at the beginning here, tomorrow at 11.30 Central Time, uh, Mickey Joseph will address, and he's the only guy you're going to get, right? You're not getting players, you're just getting Mickey Joseph, correct? Yeah, after the game was over, um, we obviously talked to Coach Frost, but only two players even after the game, um, Casey Thompson, the quarterback, and Garrett Nelson, uh, they spoke to the reporters after the loss, and that was it. And then to this week, nothing on Monday. In fact, um, Nebraska switched things up. Monday is now their new off day here. Um, they used to do Sunday as the off day. Uh, they're going to flip that around, use Mondays as an off day. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if our news conferences moved to Tuesday permanently, um, just depending on the schedule of things going forward. But we'll get Mickey tomorrow, presumably 30 minutes, and that's it. Um, after the game, it's hard to say, uh, but there is a bye week the following week. So, you know, it's going to be pretty quiet for the next couple of weeks in terms of just hearing from voices in the program. And that's probably a little by design uh, because obviously, you know, you don't want to put the players in very tough positions to have to, you know, be talking with their emotions about what's happened. Um, and, and it was a very emotional thing. You think about Sunday, they went in not really probably knowing what was going to happen. I mean, I, Scott Frost went in not knowing for sure. I don't think he was being fired. And um, then the domino effect happened. The players were told. Uh, then Coach Frost and Trev Alberts told the players. And then Mickey Joseph had an opportunity to meet with the team from there. Um, I mean, you're just never, I don't think, prepared for that, especially as a young player with nine games remaining. And, you know, Mickey Joseph never been a head coach before. So he's got a very full plate um, of things going on. It's funny, um, I talked to Mickey Thursday night because um, I, I organize speaking events for just different Husker charitable groups. And Mickey was speaking at the Springfield, Nebraska Legion Hall um, at a, an event that's been going on for over 40 years. And I was giving Mickey directions Thursday night on how to get to where the they weren't speaking at the Legion Hall. They had a, like a temporary location that was out in like a field way off a dirt road, gravel road. And, and I'm like, I just wanted to make sure Mickey made it out there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, he had, a, he had a great, great event. And, and you know, people are going to love Mickey because he's very candid, uh, very open. Uh, we had him at St. Michael's Catholic Church for a recruiting night. I did a recruiting night with 400, 500 fans that came to it, packed an entire gym for a fundraiser we do every year. And, and the crowd just loved him in that setting, breaking down the film and whatnot. So um, I think he will really thrive, Jeff, in this role on the podium, on the big stage. And I know a lot of people are interested to see how he handles all of this here in the coming weeks. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. Well, I mean, that's the hard part, isn't it, Sean? You got you got a season to play. There are nine games left in Nebraska's campaign. You can't mail that in. And in a weird way for Mickey, this would obviously be an opportunity to build a resume of sorts, if you will. I know a lot of Nebraska fans would certainly say 
no, we're not interested in Mickey Joseph being the head coach necessarily. It's it's, it's a bigger job. Uh, but but I'm really wondering, uh, Sean, you mentioned he'll do well. He's charismatic. He's gregarious. He's fun. The players, I would assume, have rallied around him at this point. They're going to need that point of inspiration and somebody to help guide them during a very tumultuous time, to say the least. Yeah, I, I think um, when when you kind of just look at him, he was the right choice. I mean, I, I think for Mickey um, coming in, I mean, he is a player's guy first and foremost, and he probably has the best relationships um, with the players of a lot of these coaches on the staff, even though he's newer but I think his personality has really captivated a lot of guys on this team. Um, I, I think it, it, it's gone just really well um, with him, even though he's been here for a short time, but he's a former Husker. Um, he was at LSU. He's carrying a lot of street credit. You know, there are some thought, why not Mark Whipple? Um, he's been a former head coach. Um, I, I think with Mark Whipple, obviously um, he, he could do it, but did he want to do it? Do they want to keep his focus just on the offense, the managing of the day-to-day of the offense. So I, I think there was some of that Eric Chenander, you know, if things are maybe going better, could have been a candidate as well. But when, you know, Jeff, they gave up 642 yards on Saturday night. Um, that was the stadium record for yards allowed by an opponent. And I thought it was coincidental. I wrote this on Saturday on a night that Nebraska honored the scoring explosion offense of 1983. It was Georgia Southern and Clay Helton that put up the most yards opponent in a, for an opponent in the stadium's history. And there's been a lot of pretty good teams that have, uh, I mean, I think about all the great teams I've seen played Memorial stadium in my lifetime. Uh, I saw Cordell Stewart and Rashawn yeah. and that great Colorado team come in there and um, a lot of good urban Meyer teams and a lot of other great teams, but nobody has put up numbers uh, like Georgia Southern did, which when you put that in context, context, I mean, that, that was a big fact. I mean, as a fan, someone watching that game, it was punishment just to watch Nebraska get carved up like that. Seven drives of scoring for Georgia Southern on Saturday night went from for 74 or more yards, six for touchdown drives. One was a field goal drive. They had two interceptions um, that ended drives. And then right before halftime, they got a penalty that the 10-second runoff went on and they didn't get points before halftime. So, uh, Nebraska could have won that game, but Georgia Southern also could have won that game by more than they did. I've got a question for you, Sean. I got to have answered because I, I talked to a number of Nebraska fans before tonight's show, and a lot of them said that they were apprehensive going into the stadium, just worried. And I think obviously anytime a program's not having a lot of success, you fear that, you know, there, this could be a night where things go south or uh, you're not real certain how things are going to go because nothing has gone the way that you anticipated it going. I'm wondering with Duke beating Northwestern earlier in the day, were, were you of the mindset if this thing doesn't play out tonight in the way that it has to, he's going to be fired? Or were you taken aback by his firing, given what we know about the contract parameters? Yeah, it, there's a lot of things there to think about, but you're right. That Northwestern-Duke game immediately got your attention, how poor Northwestern's offensive line looked against Duke, where against Nebraska, they look like, yeah. you know, a, an elite offensive line in Nebraska wasn't able to get any sort of pass rush um, on those guys in the game. And then, you know, you go another step and Adrian Martinez and Kansas state are slicing up Missouri, your former quarterback. And they looked really good in that game. And Texas, a longtime rival, um, you know, that's gone through coaching changes like Nebraska has all of a sudden they've got it turned around. It appears. And 
They've got Alabama on the ropes. So if you are a Husker fan watching football Saturday from 11 o'clock to about 5 o'clock, you're like, man, I don't feel all that great about things right now. I'm watching all these other things happen. And I had a weird feeling. I don't know what it was. I didn't pick Nebraska to lose the game. I picked Georgia Southern to cover, but uh, Nebraska still win. But there was something about Clay Helton. I know what kind of coach he was that really worried me about that game because Clay Helton's not this there to coach for fun. I mean, he's there to build it up. And he came in with a plan that just sliced and diced up Nebraska. They pre-snap read him. They, they, they had all the right angles and plays called. And no matter what they threw at Clay Helton, he had an answer that was better than what they were throwing at them. Sean, I, I don't know the answer to this question, so I'll just ask you, is there anything about the rest of the season that could in any way, I suppose, outweigh the focus on whoever that next coach is going to be? I suppose a radical shift in results could certainly do that, but I don't know that the fan base is necessarily anticipating that. Right now, $10 for the remainder of the year, for a year, Husker Online you're pretty much going to have to write a story a day, are you not, on a coaching candidate somewhere along the line. I got to imagine right now we start with, what, 20 and narrow this thing down to 10 and then 5 as we get closer to December. December 5th, I know you wrote that was the date you're going to be looking at. Talk big picture here about pretty much there's not going to be a week that goes by without some talk of a potential hire. There's going to be a rumor and and this and that and a guy that knows a guy that heard something from a guy. Right. You know, and we have to kind of balance what we decide to cover and attribute. And, you know, that, that that's the challenge. I mean, you got guys like Lars Anderson, a former Sports Illustrated writer who's now a professor at Alabama, and he's made some pretty good takes over the years. He's been right on, on some things. He's been wrong on a few too, uh, but he puts things out there and he put a take out there um, that Matt Campbell's going to be the guy for Nebraska. And, you know, Nebraska fans are going to listen to that. They're going to get excited or interested in that. And, you know, when you take a few steps back, a guy like Matt Campbell would make sense um, because he has held out at Iowa State for whatever reason. He's had opportunities. I think the thought was he wants to be a Midwestern coach somewhere and a place that kind of fits him and his values. And a place like Nebraska might be that kind of job for him. And you look at the Big Ten versus the Big 12 long term, four or five, ten years from now the Big Ten Conference is obviously on a different trajectory path. Yes, it doesn't mean the Big Ten teams are going to win all these games head-to-head, but when you look at the resources and the things that you have at your disposal, the Big Ten and the SEC are where you want to be right now. And these types of jobs and these leagues like the Big Ten are going to attract anybody, especially if you're not a Big Ten or or SEC coach right now. Do you think that Trev Alberts, and he has already noted this, that Nebraska is in a very good spot financially. They're not going to spare any expense. Obviously, if they can find the guy, no matter the cost, they've got to get it turned around. Nebraska fans are starving. Nobody wants to win more than Trev Alberts, obviously a former great there at Nebraska. I'm kind of curious, do you think he goes for a splash hire or more of somebody that he's either met along the way and respects, a guy of character, as he's noted, that would seem to suggest Urban Meyer has no chance for this job. So I would ask ask you just big picture wise a low-key hire a guy like Campbell who people know but obviously not a flashy name or somebody more high profile who are you inclined to lean towards knowing Trev Alberts the way you do yeah it's a great question um and I think for for me to say that it's gonna be someone that he has a previous relationship that that's a stretch because 
you know, Trev Alberts hasn't been involved in day-to-day Division One football for a number of years. I mean, he was at ESPN and all those years before and a player, but he was an athletic director at UNO um, for quite a while, and they, they didn't have football when he was there. They eliminated mm-hmm. football. So, you know, I don't – you know, the, the, a lot of people have retired and moved on, but he knows a lot of people in the game, and I, I think that's where you have to start first. He has tons of relationships with coaches, administrators, analysts, and those people are going to get phone calls from Trev Alberts. He's going to be very particular in, in, in what he looks for. And I do think um, – I, I want to say at least being a head coach before at some point is a priority. That's a Bill, Bill O'Brien's not a head coach now, now but he was. Right. He stayed in the Houston Texans. Um, so a guy like Bill O'Brien you know, would fit the, the description, um, in my opinion. But, uh, you know, then there's people like Jim Leonard from Wisconsin – you know, as a guy like Jim Leonard, who's a great coordinator, who's turned down the Green Bay Packers for a coordinator job to stay at Wisconsin, is he ready to make a jump to be a head coach at a place like Nebraska? Um, is he ready for it? I don't know. And so there, there's a lot to chew on as you look at this. And Trev has given himself a lot of time. Um, could he have fired Scott Frost last year and just started this process? Yeah, sure. But he just moved on the job in mid-July and I'm not sure when he took that job in mid-July that he thought he'd have to make a football hire by November or December. So he has given himself a, over a year now to get his sea legs, kind of learn the lay of the land, learn more about the Big Ten Conference. And I think he's in a much better position now going forward to really evaluate this thing where if he made this move maybe last December, it would have been a lot more rush, and I think there would have been a lot more pressure on him at that point. How difficult was it for him? Everything it seems to suggest from the outside looking in, Sean, was that he had grown to really like, obviously, uh, Scott Frost. Uh, Scott desperately wanted to win there. There were no indicators that he wouldn't have success there after his time at UCF. Obviously, it never got off the ground. I guess I could ask you big picture here. Why did it fail? And secondarily, how difficult a decision do you think it was? In many ways, I guess you could argue that it was one that he had to make. There was no other choice, but at the same time, it still sounds like from his own comments that it hurt him to have to do it. Yeah. I mean, he's a former player and okay. they, they go back. They both played for Tom Osborne. Um, Trev Alberts never won a national championship, but he's really close. I mean, he, you probably remember him in that orange bowl against Florida state. I mean, he played, he was a, he was a, a unbelievable, unblockable machine. Yes. And went on to be a first round pick right up. So they, there's familiarity and crossover with these two guys. They both have the same interests at heart. They're both Nebraska football players that want to make this place great again. And for, you know, when Scott Frost was hired, nobody envisioned this day to come. I mean, this was looked at, Jeff, as a 25-year hire. Like, I think we looked at Scott Frost coming in here and we're like, there is no way this will ever happen. Like, this guy is set for life. He'll be retired at Nebraska. They're going to win multiple Big Ten West championships. They're going to give Ohio State a run. I mean, the, people really thought that. Um, and for it to turn like it has, I think, has been a shock for all. Let's uh, switch gears now and bring in Steve Sipple. We mentioned he'd be joining us on the program this evening. Husker Online columnist, senior writer, joins us. It's good to see you again, Steve. How are you? And thanks Jeff. for joining us. Jeff and Sean, thanks for having me on. It feels like I'm in a dungeon compared to you guys. <laughs> Where are you at, Sipple? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in my I'm office. I'm in the office, but my I have a light right over me, and the rest of the office is dark. I, so I feel like I'm in the witness protection program. Give me a fireside chat, Steve. Just a little fireside chat. 
Yeah, yeah. It's like I'm joining you from uh, a small town in Illinois where nobody knows where I'm at. And it's 720, and you're drinking a uh, Americano right now? Yeah I, yeah, I got Americano going. Um, as, I mean, I got a lot to do, Sean. You know that. <laughs> well, I, I'm switching to water. We had a couple beers on the shows the last few nights, but I'm yeah, it's been a long few nights, Sip. And you've been around a lot of these coaching searches with me. Um, I think this will be the sixth coach now in 20 years at Nebraska, if I'm not mistaken. Or um, they've yeah, gone it's the six. This will be number six since Osborne uh, stepped down after that 97 national championship season. When you look at them all, they're all a little bit different. What's unique about this switch, this change, and how it's going to play out? Well, it's it's a little – I mean, the last two changes have been pretty obvious. They, they needed to be made, I mean, that which is different than some of the other ones, most notably Frank Solich, who was 9-3 and three, um, at the time they made the change. And then Nebraska went on – to win another game to get to 10 and three without Frank. Um, and then of course they fired Pelini um, in 2014 with a, at a, with a nine and three team as well. So it's different in that it became obvious as it was the case with Mike Riley, it became obvious a change needed to be made. Um, that that's, I mean, I don't know as far as, I mean, we're at a different point now, in Nebraska's program, it's really scuffled as opposed to when other, when the other changes were made. So that makes it a little more, that makes it a little different. That changes the, the dynamic. Um, but I still think it's a job that's attractive. Um, you heard, you heard Trev Albert say yesterday, Jeff and Sean, that they'll pay market price resources will not, what he said exactly was resources will not be an impediment so here we go. We'll see what we'll see what he turns up. And I'm interested because when Frost was hired, I mean the staff was paid really high for that level and and whatnot. But staff salaries, head coach salaries, have escalated even higher in these five years. Um, how high? I mean, for the right guy, what do you think is the max? I mean, could Nebraska exceed eight million dollars a year yeah. for a guy if they had to? Yes, absolutely. I why not? I mean, they're in a they're in a they're in the a power conference that's very moneyed and they benefit from that. And so of course, if, if $10 million is required, that's what Nebraska will pay. Now there's a, there's, it could, you know, there's a, it could get unreasonable. Um, and I don't think Nebraska would go beyond reasonable, but I'd say six to 10 million falls within reason. I don't think the fan base would, would, revolt against a $10 million coach. If it were, you know, urban Meyer, for instance, what, um, when you look at this process, Steve, um, mm -hmm. I mean, do you, are you expecting this to go all the way past Thanksgiving all the way into that almost first week of December? Hard. To, it's hard to know, Sean, right now. We're, I mean, we're in the very infant stages now. I, you heard, I, I just, listen, if you take, Trev Alberts for his word, he's going to talk to a lot of coaches and a lot of people in general, and not all of them will be candidates. That was what he said yesterday. It was kind of interesting. And as, as he was talking, and we can have this sort of conversation in this forum, 
as he was laying that out, my first thought was this could be a smoke screen. He might already have a guy. And but that guy would tell an AD, you do everything you have to do to protect me. And if that means saying you're going to talk to a lot of different people, um, so be it. But I mean, I, I just wonder. I wondered about that right away. He almost made it sound like he was kind of starting from scratch. I don't necessarily. I don't think that's what's going on here. I really he's got to have some. He's got to have it pretty narrowed down. Um, so that I'll, we'll see. I don't know what form this is all going to take. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he doesn't have a very you know, a very defined list. Maybe he's really, really approaching it like a, like, like he's starting almost from scratch, but I'd be surprised if that's the case. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I would I would ask both of you gentlemen, obviously, mm -hmm. the, what is the rush? Now, uh, here's what I mean by that. This season almost seems like a wash. You got to get this higher right, no matter yeah. who it is. Trev Alberts is now under immense pressure, one would think, as the attention turns his way. Um, do you guys, I, I guess you asked the question a moment ago, Sean, definitely after Thanksgiving. Sip, do you think that's the case? You think that we won't know anything until December? That's my, yeah, I mean, Jeff, it, it sort of depends who it is, um, who's available and who's not. Um, but yeah, Okay, if you're thinking about some of the guys' names that come up, if it's Campbell, yeah, he won't be available um, until then, till late in the process. Um, I'd say Lance Leipold at Kansas, same. Um, Bill O'Brien, same. Um, it would be a different conversation if it's Urban Meyer. Um, but most of these guys that you're talking about are guys who have jobs and are not going to want to be – out in the they don't want their names out there while they're working at a school it's not productive um especially head coaches they don't want their names out they don't want their names out there so that's what i mean by this could be trev being very protective um and he should and he should be actually sip what are you expecting from mickey joseph tomorrow at the press conference i mean what's your feel for this we know he's already made a few changes uh, we've talked about a th some of them on the Red Sea Squirrels message board, so I encourage you to get on and, and log on. Uh, we've kind of shared a couple nuggets with our members on Husker Online, uh, some of the behind-the-scenes things that we might see. But what are you anticipating, Sip, from Mickey Joseph on the press conference tomorrow? Well, guys, I mean, just in general, in general, you're going to hear a much louder voice than Scott. Um, you're going to hear you're going to hear more charisma. You're going to hear, um, I mean, Mickey gets to the point. Uh, he'll be a little um, more matter of fact, I think, in, some, in a lot of cases than Scott. Now, as far as his overall approach, we don't have much to go on. He was a head coach briefly at Langston University. I don't, 
you know, that's an NAIA, NAIA school. There's just not much. I don't know what you can glean from that. People have been asking me all day, what's it going to look like with Mickey? How do you know? I mean, it's, I would say that you would probably expect him kind of a hard line, bottom line approach that come, you know, because he comes from the SEC. But the, the big thing is, the thing that we're wondering is, Trev alluded to the possibility of some structural changes. What does that, what, what does that encompass? Does that encompass, he could move around some coaches, um, change roles a little bit, which I, I, I half expect him to do. Now, will he verbalize it tomorrow? I don't know. I, I imagine today was a pretty big day for Mickey to get kind of to get the, to get the chairs on the deck in order before he come, before he goes out and speaks to the public. Um, the public being is, you know, the media that we're, we're the conduit. So I don't know. I, 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 I don't know what that picture is going to look like. You, you have a good feel for Mickey though. He's and and I'm not saying all that is necessarily better than Scott. It's just different. I mean, it'll be, it'll feel much different and sound much different. The thing I'll say about Mickey is he's a go-getter. He's a hustler. Um, mm-hmm in every sense of the way. And he really cares about Nebraska. He wants to be here. Um, I've just sensed that when I've been around him at different events and things that we've done together um, and the people love him. I, when you're around him in a public type setting and probably a press conference type deal too, um, he is going to come off extremely likable. And I do think the players like him. So there's a lot here that will be interesting because what if this team comes out and I'm not saying they're going to beat Oklahoma, but what, what if they come out, swinging but the problem is i don't know if they're gonna be able to stop anybody all year and, mm-hmm. and that's gonna be the issue i mean they, they they couldn't stop north dakota and georgia southern and northwestern um so for us to think that they could stop north dakota or um, oklahoma that that's a really really tall order it's sort of a romantic notion that i wouldn't want to go too far down that road i mean i i don't I mean mickey first of all the the one thing you got to you got to emphasize in this, if Mickey's going to get a fair shake here, if he really has designs on being the head coach, he has to be evaluated almost separate of what happens on defense because he had nothing to do with it. Um, he didn't recruit those guys. He, he, he doesn't coach on that side of the ball. Um, so it's sort of interesting. But I'm not – here's the thing, Sean. Scott's teams played hard. I mean, it, it – now – it wasn't a great picture this year, but Scott's teams never quit. You never thought they were going to quit. And the, the scores don't reflect a team that quit like, like Riley's teams in 2017. Scott's team. See, I, I, I feel sometimes like I'm going to be in this position where I want to defend Scott a little bit. His teams came out fighting. Um, I think what you're saying is, will there be a little bit more of that? Ah, we'll see. I don't want to give credit to Mickey before I see something, you know, um, so everybody's wondering, it wouldn't surprise me if, if there is a little more zip, um, because that often happens when there's a different voice, particularly again, a louder voice like Mickey, think about and, Sean, you know, this, you know, this, the players like him, you said it. And I think they reacted very well to this change. Yeah. Think about Solich to Polini when, you know, how much, I mean, how, popular bow became immediately when he became, I mean, I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but we've seen scenarios. I mean, I think about 
when Barney Cotton had to take over and coach the Holiday Bowl. The team played really well for Barney right. Cotton. So we've seen mm-hmm. it where the pressure's off. All of a sudden, yep. play pretty well. That's that a good point, Sean. The pressure is is largely off. The cloud is lifted. And that that can have an immediate impact. So that's what, if you're a Nebraska fan, you hope that that's what happens. Sip and uh, Sean, let's real quick bring in Jim Rose, former play-by-play voice of the Huskers. In fact, we wanted you to be on here, Sip, with Jim as he comes on. Good evening, good sir. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you uh, adding to the conversation. Obviously, there's a lot to talk about. Oh, we can't hear him. (laughs) Let's get Jim's mic issues uh, figured out. We got to get his mic going there. Get your mic going, old man. Jim, we can see you, but we cannot hear you. <laughs> We've got to get him working. We'll get, get him working in, in a second. Get back in the waiting room here. <laughs> Come on, Jim. We were excited. He got the voice and he's not coming in. Really quickly, guys, you guys noted this. Players have to have a reason to hope, have to have a reason to believe. I don't think it would be surprising at all to see them rally around Mickey and play real hard. And I know, Sip, you just said they played hard for Scott, but when you lose and you keep losing and the frustration mounts, it can get easy sometimes to have a sort of here-we-go-again mentality. It's frustrating, no doubt. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they really fight like hell for this man and, 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 and present a case, at least initially. Oh, I, I think you're right. I, Mickey, Mickey, I mean, Mickey is that type of guy, like, like Sean said, um, and the and, – and, I think it's largely about the situation too. It was, it was, listen, Jeff, it's hard for you to understand completely because you're not here, right. but I kept saying it in August. This, this was a very weighty season. It was, it felt heavy, you know, and a lot of that heaviness now is removed. It is, it's, it'll be a lighter feel and there could be benefit to that. Now, Jeff, their defensive issues are such that, Levity isn't going to take care of everything. <laughs> um, sure. They they need a they need a first of all they would be good if they levity isn't necessarily what they're looking for. They're looking for about a three hundred and forty pound nose tackle. Um, that would be good and and some linebackers, um, some inside linebackers are a little more effective. But yeah, I mean, I think there is some value to the, all this, and that's why Trev made the move. Right? He made the move. Trev made that move with. A lot of it is designed to enhance the chances for this team to win. And that made a lot, that makes a lot of sense. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. I, I wonder a quick question for you guys, uh, you know, in the off season, uh, I'm following everything you guys had to write on Husker online, looking more into what was happening, by the way, another reminder for everybody out there watching, like, and subscribe to this. You're going to want to follow the coaching search. You're going to want to hear from these guys on a daily basis, lending their expertise to this situation. You can do so right now for just $10 for a year. Husker Online is the best at covering Nebraska. You want to be a part of that during this integral time of Nebraska football. Uh, but I, but I am, I am kind of curious. There were a lot of transfer portal guys, a lot of transfers that came in. How does that make up? Um, I guess in any way imbue what you're thinking about the rest of the year, if at all. Well, something to watch, Jeff. They, 
you wonder about some of these guys who are just here for a year and what impact this losing will right. have on them going going forward. They're not, you know, Jeff, what we're talking about is emotional investment. And some of them just haven't had some key players. I mean, let's face it, we're not just talking about one or two guys. They're playing a lot of guys that don't have a lot of emotional investment in the program. So, yeah, you, you watch that. I do think they brought in a lot of very high character guys that will keep playing. Um, I mean, I'm thinking about basically all of them. I mean, me and Sean have met those guys, talked to them more than once, several times in some cases. And I do think Nebraska did a good job of bringing in high character transfers. And that, that matters. It does matter, especially in a situation like this. Casey, Are we Thompson, good to go? Sean, go ahead. Lost in the discussion because of Saturday, Jim or um, Steve, but Casey Thompson, the way he played Saturday, I mean, he was mm -hmm. the highest graded pro football focused quarterback we've seen at Nebraska that I can remember. He had a 93.3 grade in that. Oh, game. he played a high level, yeah. Played at a really high level. And um, I mean, there's some things of this offense that are really clicking, but obviously are just going to get overshadowed by what's going on right now. Well, what's clicking? And Jeff, if you're watching, Nebraska has two very good running backs. You're yes, familiar with one at, down there in Seminole country at Anthony Grant. But he's been a revelation here. Um, and then the kid behind him, the freshman, the true freshman, A.J. Allen, must be pushing Anthony in practice because they're putting A.J. Allen in in some pretty critical times. And those two guys are befitting of this Nebraska running back tradition, Jeff, that you're maybe, I don't, I mean, you've been around, so you probably know Nebraska used to be tailback you. Oh, without um, question. Yeah. And it, now it's gone, it, it, that went away, but these two guys really kind of represent that now, but they're good. They're, they're legit backs. They would have worked it. Now. I mean, I don't want to go too far into this because I'm not looking at Amon Green or Lawrence Phillips or Rogier, but these guys are pretty good. I was about to say, I got to see Mike Rogier in person way back when, Sip. So I, I, I remember and, and well aware. Mm -hmm. And actually, oddly enough, I know we don't know each other well, but I've had the good fortune. One of my best friends is a Nebraska grad. So is his brother. I follow Nebraska football closely. So when I got the opportunity to work with you guys this year, I was pretty pumped because I tend to watch Nebraska anyhow. Well, that's cool. And, you know, Jeff, just while we're doing this, my brother, my older brother, lives has lived in Tallahassee for um, – 30 plus years and he's a season ticket holder there we That's, go he's a Seminole season ticket holder and he loves him he, he loves him i see jim right there is he back <laughs> yeah now we can hear him here you got me we got you jim welcome to the program let's talk some husker football and get your insight on what trev alberts is going to do i know that uh, obviously for those that don't know jim's former play-by-play -play announcer there for nebraska um good evening sir thanks for joining us i'm glad we got your mic figured out um, I guess start big picture here. You know, Trev, uh, as well as anybody, uh, take us through the process you think he's going through right now. Thanks for having me, guys. First of all, nothing scares the daylights out of young children, much like Steve Sippel alone in a darkened room. It, it, it is a strange scene, isn't it? Yeah, it's a little different. <laughs> you know, I love you, brother. Um, yeah. This is uh, this is the right guy to make this decision. Uh, I firmly believe that, and and I appreciate that. I have known Trev since he was 19 years old, and 
followed his career very carefully. Uh, you know, I wouldn't embarrass him by saying we're close personal friends, but we talk a lot. Um, when he was building UNO up here in Omaha, I was very impressed with all of the moves that he made. Some of them were missteps, but he never made the same mistake twice. And I think that speaks to his leadership skills, but that also speaks to his boldness as a leader. Uh, he's going to be extremely thorough in this entire episode. There will be no political correctness here. There will be no, okay, how do I please the masses? There will be no, um, who's the least objectionable? He has a metrics. Uh, he has a collection of items on his list that whoever gets the offer has to meet. And if they don't check all of the boxes, he'll move on to the next guy. Jim, when you look at just this process, what do you think he really is looking for? I mean, if you had to zone in on a few names, who are you zoning in on right now? Well, I think there are two categories of names in my view, Sean, having watched this parade over the last 20 some years, as all of you guys have as well, and as have thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of Nebraska fans. Uh, I think what Trev is going to benefit from more than anything are the mistakes that have been made in the past 20 years in the hires of people. Uh, in each case, from Bill Callahan all the way through Scott Frost, there were certain things about each of them that were very, very good. But there were glaring weaknesses that were ignored during the course of the interview process. Uh, and I think that Trev will benefit greatly from the mistakes made in the past. Uh, Bo Pelini was absolutely, in many ways, the right choice at that time, but in many ways he was not. Bill Callahan, in many ways, was absolutely a great choice, and I firmly believe, and I think, Sean, you'd agree with me, if Bill Callahan has another year, uh, and if he makes major changes on his defensive staff, that thing may have come together in 2008 or 2009. But you well, can say the same thing about Frank. You know, Frank had made major, major adjustments on his staff, and he certainly deserved one, at least, maybe two more years to have that gel. Well, firing people too soon is a lesson that I think that Trev will learn, has learned, but he knows what to look for in this next person because he's not going to make the same mistakes that Tom Osborne made, that Steve Peterson made, Sean Eichhorst made, and that Hank Bounds, Ronnie Green, Tom Osborne, Bill Moose collectively made on Frost. Sip, you got anything you want to ask uh, Jim here? I know we're keeping you over time. No, I mean, no, I'm just, uh, I mean, I was listening. I was taking some texts too. So yeah, I got a little, I got a little <laughs> oh, bit. Uh, that's great, Sip. So I can't uh, even get your undivided attention. Really <laughs> you know how this country is now, Jim. Um, <laughs> it's hard, it's hard to get anybody's undivided attention. Yeah. Um, um, but I, well, I, no, I got a question. Yeah. How, do you think this is protracted? Does it by nature have to be protracted by nature of the situation? Um, do we have to take this into like the Thanksgiving weekend is what Sean keeps saying? I think so. And I think by design, Sip, I, I really believe that Trev uh, has bought himself time. Part of this was, I think, in on behalf of the kids, he really felt like at this point, the kids still have a chance to, to win enough games to get to a bowl. So if he injects a new voice, a new approach, they have a chance. He was not confident that under Scott that would be the case. So on the one hand, the, the, the firing yesterday, which seemed abrupt to some people, especially with 20 days before the exit uh, severance goes to $7.5 was actually pretty 
smart uh, from a professional standpoint, I believe, because it buys him extra time. Nebraska's out there looking for somebody. The competition, which is intense in the last three or four weeks before the transfer portal date opens of December 5, uh, Nebraska can't avoid. So uh, I think there were multiple forces, multiple balls in the air uh, that he decided at this point, this gives me an, an advantage because everybody knows we are looking and people are going to get contacted. Third parties are going to get contacted uh, and there will be discussions and it'll give him plenty of chance to observe people right now. You know, what's to say that he won't make a road trip during one of Nebraska's bye weeks to buy a ticket to go see somebody coach a football game? I mean, I think that's a possibility. Uh, Bill Byrne did that when he went looking for Barry Collier. He watched one of Barry Collier's NCAA tournament games. So uh, I think this gives Trev every opportunity to be deliberate, make the choice, get everything in place, ask the important questions, let things get processed long before December 5. Jim, you know the money situation at Nebraska as well as anyone. You fundraise for Nebraska. Um, you're well aware of the foundation, everything that they're, they have financially when you look at how high they can go, I mean, do you see any ceiling at all um, if the right guy is there? No, there is more money at Nebraska than God made little green apples. Thanks to Bill Byrne, there is unlimited money there. They have well over $150 million in the bank. They're going to cash flow $40 million this year alone based on Big Ten revenues and their expenses. Uh, and that's after all of their expenses are paid. So I, I, money's not an issue. It will never be an issue in Nebraska. But I really believe this, guys. Uh, I don't think that Trev believes he needs to make this guy the highest paid coach in the country to come here. I think he believes there is somebody out there, and maybe more than one, uh, that wants this gig that is a perfect fit at his time and place that is prepared for this job, wants this job. And I don't believe necessarily that Nebraska has to think, okay, we have to A, get a big name, which will be expensive, and B, we have to pay, uh, you know, a terrorist ransom to get them. Uh, I, I really think, and this is a point that I made on the air this morning, and I, and I, I think we're probably going to repeat it a couple of times. I believe that money corrupts some people uh, in this profession. The money is so big that it, it develops in people bad habits. Now, you can count on just one or two hands the number of elite coaches for which this is not an issue. Nick Saban doesn't care how much he gets paid. He wants to win every game, and he'll do whatever it takes to win every game. John Cook does not care what he gets paid because he wants to win national championships every year. Uh, Bill Self is in the same place. There are scores of coaches who are not corrupted by money. I'm not suggesting that Scott Frost was corrupted by money, but I, I would suggest that it's a possibility, a strong one, that when he signed with one stroke of the pen a $35 million deal, and now suddenly he has more money than he ever imagined he'd ever have, it's handy. You can develop bad habits. And I think Trev's going to look for somebody that the money is not an issue. Jim, is there a singular characteristic you think Trev Alberts values most during this search? Yes, player development. The capacity to develop guys, not buy them. Trev is, in my view, he supports it because this is the system today. But he knows, just like John Cook and just like all of these other great coaches who have built culture, the NIL era 
is harmful to culture. And I believe what Trev is going to look for, obviously, I mean, first you got to check the basic boxes, organizational skills. They have to be experienced. They have to have experience in a power five conference is either a head coach or a coordinator, but you have to have a genuine record of developing material. He wants a coach and a staff to bring guys in and keep them here and develop them. Uh, he wants guys that are project players. Now you can't have 105 of these guys, but your backbone uh, as a program, I think has to have this. And I think Trev believes in that because he saw that he was a highly recruited guy coming out of high school, but he saw all of these other guys that weren't, that were the backbone of the success of his teams at Nebraska. So I think that's the first most important thing. Yeah. You got to be a cultural fit. Uh, I think, all things being equal, he wants somebody who's either been a head coach or who is a head coach. Uh, any athletic director who says, uh, well, that's not important to me is not telling you the truth. They Jim. will take a head coach before an assistant coach anytime they can. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. Jim, would that, would you, then would you classify Mickey Joseph as a long shot in this yes, process? I would. I would classify Mickey Joseph as a long shot. Now, I say that sip today. He has not coached any games yet let's say nebraska goes eight and one okay mm -hmm. under mickey that changes the dynamic dramatically yeah. uh, i mean i think we all have to put aside some forecast and suggest that if something really dramatic happens with this team and a message gets gets and practice habits change and a message gets sent i think we can all agree that mickey joseph has tremendous opportunity here but he's never been a head coach other than for 20 games at an naia historically black college, Langston University. He's never even been a coordinator until now. So his experience level is a big risk, but Mickey has this opportunity. And I think when Trev said yesterday, I'd like to see what Mickey can do in this gig and work his way into the conversation. I think he was being sincere and genuine about that. Jimmy, if he goes eight and one, he'll be the Dallas Cowboys head coach. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, he's, yeah. Mickey's a neat guy. I think Mickey, I really like him. I liked him as a player. I thought he was a cool guy as a player. Um, you know, he waited his turn here. He was the USA Today National Player of the Year, but he had to wait behind Steve Taylor and and he had to, you know, fight with Jerry Godowski for playing time. Uh, he's, a, he's a bootstrapper from that standpoint, and he's obviously a great recruiter. He's done a wonderful job building relationships. So in many ways, there's no doubt in my mind, Mickey Joseph has a lot of those qualities. But Athletic directors are judged on coach hires. That's it. They are not judged on how many facilities they're, they build. They're not judged on, you know, how many, uh, how many officers, they, important people they put in their department or how much money they raise. They are judged on coach hires, and in particular, football, men's basketball, volleyball, women's basketball, and baseball. So Trev, Trev's only going to get one shot at this. And uh, he's, he's going to make certain that the person that gets this job is fully prepared for it. Jim, great stuff. Really appreciate you coming on tonight. 
I hope we get to do it again. I've been thoroughly riveted with your insights, and I mean that sincerely. And I mean that sincerely. I have been. Uh, and Steve, Steve, you've been okay too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Damning me with faint praise. I appreciate that. Jim, you brought in, we're, we're going to invite you back and we, we'd love to have you on again um, on our rundown show and on the shows we do here on Oscar online. I'd love to come on guys. It's great talking to the fans. I, I just love all of your fans. Uh, I loved them when I was doing the games and uh, this is an exciting time for Nebraska football. It's just, it's a stressful time. And I know folks are disappointed that, the, the Scott Frost experiment didn't work, and I am too. I really felt strongly that this could be really a tremendous story for us. But uh, the program is resilient. I, I, I truly believe in this athletic director. I, I, I just think he's exactly the right guy because his name's on the North Stadium, and there's a little bit of blood of his on that football field. And that, cha- that, that puts him in a category unlike anybody else we've had here. Uh, Bill Byrne is the best athletic director, in my opinion, Nebraska's ever had. But Bill was a builder. Trev is a foundation guy. And he's kind of like what Pat Richter was at Wisconsin. And Pat Richter hired Barry Alvarez. So I think we can we can look at those parallels and see this could turn out really well. But uh, I think a national search is in place. All the names you're hearing about, I think, are definite candidates. I personally like Bill O'Brien because I was so impressed with what he Thank did you. at Penn State. But the thing is, I think he wants to get back to the NFL. Um, and uh, it'd be hard to compete with that. I, if Zach Taylor was an assistant coach in the NFL as a coordinator, I think he'd be a really strong candidate, but I don't see him leaving the NFL to come to Nebraska if he's got the best young quarterback in the AFC. But there are a lot of great ones. Lance Leipold, I got to know Lance when I was doing the games, and he was on Frank's staff and Pat Burns' staff. Lance is a fantastic coach, a great coach and a great person. Uh, and he'd be wonderful, too. So there are a lot of great candidates. The idea that Husker fans kind of have this notion, well, if Scott can't do it, who can? There are lots of great candidates out there, and Trev's going to find one of them. Well, we'll be coming back every Monday night, Sean. I know you know that Monday Husker Countdown. We'll be doing this on Monday evenings. We'll be talking to you gentlemen as often as we can and getting your insight. We appreciate it. I want to remind everybody out there that's watching this. It's the kind of great content you can expect. Of course, all week long, you're going to be getting the latest stories and insights during this coaching search. And of course, the coverage of the games and the interviews that follow Husker Online right now for just $10. I don't know how you <clears throat> excuse me, couldn't do that. You got to do that, right? You're going to want to follow this historic period of time in Nebraska football for chin for just ten dollars you can Husker online the best in the business and uh I don't know Sean anything you want to add before we wrap it up here this evening I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to Steve and and Jim and and obviously you and I will be talking off and on throughout the course of the year buckle up it's going to be an adventure <laughs> I think we we're just a day or two into this thing and and we've seen traffic numbers excitement that we've never seen before and I've been in this business a long time so I'm expecting a wild ride and we're just at the beginning of chapter one of a long ride. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, thanks again to Jim for joining us at Sipple. Uh, and thank you, Jeff, for, for driving the bus tonight. Absolutely. I'm honored to go on the ride with you guys and to learn as we go. It should be an awful lot of fun. Really appreciate it. I want to say thanks to our producer as well. Trey Entity did a great job as always. And to all of you for watching, commenting, Continue to follow Husker Online, $10 right now. If you sign up, you get it for the year. Thanks so much for watching, everybody. Be well, and uh, we'll talk to you again this time next week. Looking forward to it on Monday, Husker Countdown.